What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Picks and Pucks. My name is Nicholas. This is episode five, I think. <laughs> um, you're going to hear two episodes in the next two weeks. I just recorded a music one, which I think that's going to come out next week. This one's going to come out today, which is what is today's day? It's Martin Luther King Day. It's January 20th. So this this is a hockey podcast coming out January 20th. And we got a music one coming out next week. So anyway, like I said, music podcast. I think this is episode five. And yeah, it's been since the Taylor Hall trade that I I haven't made an uh, since I've made an episode, and it's which is a lot's happened. Um, so let's just uh, jump right into it. Um, first, some news. Um, I think really the biggest news that's come out since I've made uh, a, an episode is just a bunch of coach firings and the, the the two that really stand out as of right now is Peter DeBoer in San Jose and uh, Gerard Gallant in Vegas. And, you know, let's just start with the Sharks one. Um, that one, I think we all kind of saw coming. I don't think we can really pin it on DeBoer the Sharks had a lot of problems this year, mainly with an older blue line and absolutely no goaltending. A, a head coach is not going to fix bad goaltending, so I, I don't know. That one, it's kind of, I don't know. It's it's one of those where maybe it's kind of the sign that they're actually going to start rebuilding, and you, you kind of, for the Sharks' sake, you kind of hope that they they do. Uh, excuse me. You kind of hope that they do, um, you know, because they ha- have a lot of older players, but they still have some talent there. Um, they just, you know, I think they're gonna they're gonna get a pretty good, uh, pretty good picks uh, draft pick spot this year. So I I hope that they uh, can start turning that around. I mean, definitely not for the Coyotes' sake, but just you know, f- for them, they they they've been a team where they've never really been bad. It seems like for the longest time they've just made the playoff. Maybe they missed it just by a little bit, a year or two here and there. But they've always just been around it. So it's kind of weird seeing the Sharks as not a very good hockey team this year. So I um, hope they do some things in the offseason to kind of turn that around for themselves. And then now for the other one, uh, Gerard Gallant getting fired. That one shocked the entire world. I... I don't know what to make of that one. I really don't. It's I they just went to the Stanley Cup final. They would have gone to the Stanley Cup final most likely had they not had a bad call go against them. And it's just it's just shocking, you know? I mean, I I believe what this was mentioned on the a podcast I listened to, the Natty Hattie where Maybe it really was just a struggle between GM and coach. Maybe they just had two different views on where to go. And the GM is going to win that battle nine times out of ten. And, you know, maybe with the recent firing of DeBoer, maybe the GM thought like, okay, DeBoer's vision kind of more aligns with mine than Gallant. So so maybe that's why the move was made. I, I really don't know otherwise why... Why you fire Gerard Gallant? I really, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, 
that that team is not performing to where they should be. Granted, they they don't have they probably I would say Flurry at this point in his career is probably an average, slightly above average goal goalie. So they're getting okay goaltending. I don't know necessarily necessarily know his numbers, but um I, I think their issue is definitely defense. They And again, it's like, is that Gallant not getting enough out of the defense to perform where they need to be? Or is that just them not having the personnel that they need? I don't know. I think, to me, it seems more of a personnel thing than a Gallant thing. Gallant's a great coach. It seems like he's a coach that players absolutely love to play for. So, again, I just, I don't understand it. I mean... I, for Vegas fans, you hope it works out, but like as a Coyotes fan, I'm kind of glad they got rid of him because, and granted, DeBoer's a good coach, but I don't think he's on the level of where Gallant is. So it's like this move might might have hurt them, and it's a very tight race in the Pacific right now. So who knows really how this move is going to affect it? And speaking of which, um, I believe all all or most of the Pacific is on break right now. I'm not really quite sure how they do these these quote-unquote bi-weeks that they're not really calling a bi-week, but it basically is a bi-week. <laughs> um, I think the Pacific is on a break right now, which is kind of, I mean, the Coyotes have needed this break, and we'll get into this later when I talk about Coyotes. But, yeah, it's, it's a really tight race right now. So let's actually just get into... Um, the standings right now so we're definitely over the halfway mark but we're right like i said right at the all-star break we're right at the point where teams are going on to their bye weeks so it's going to be interesting to see how these um these standings change over the next you know two weeks coyotes don't play until i think it is january 29th and they haven't played since the 18th well okay let's back it up a bit they haven't really played since uh the the 16th because <laughs> they certainly didn't play on saturday that's for damn sure but anyway let's get into the standings here we'll start with the central division we got the st louis blues are at 68 points in first place got the colorado avalanche in second place at 60 points and then we have the dallas stars in there at 58 points so I'm going to venture to say that those are the three teams that probably end up making the playoffs in the central. And I think those are going to be end up being the top three teams as well. I don't know if many other, any of the other teams will catch up. Um, you know, Winnipeg, maybe Chicago, they've been playing sort of better recently, I guess, but I, I don't know. I don't think Chicago just has it to quite make the playoffs this year. Winnipeg might. It depends. It seems like their goaltending's been dictating the way that their season's been going. Um, but yeah, I think those are the three teams that are going to be in. in uh, they're going to make it out of the Central and possibly in that order as well. But let's move on to the Pacific where the uh, this thing changes daily and, and now that they're on a break it, it won't change daily but when they start up again yeah it's it's going to change daily for the rest of the year until someone decides to just start winning 
more than two or three games in a row because that seems like that's what's happening right now. Someone wins two or three in a row and then they just they lose two or three in a row. At least that's what the Coyotes have been doing. But given that the other teams haven't really been pulling away, I'm guessing that's kind of what they're doing as well. So we got in first place, we got Vancouver at 58 points. We got in second place, the Oilers are at 57 points. If third place, the Calgary Flames at 57 points. Canada loves that. Canada really likes that, which, yeah, I guess I don't blame them. But, um, yeah, it's it just blows my mind because now we have the wild card where we have Vegas at 57 points in the first wild card spot, and we have the Coyotes in the second wild card spot at 57 points as well. Uh, Vegas uh, gets the tiebreaker over the two. It's just crazy. The Coyotes went into their game on Saturday in first place in the Pacific, and had they won that game, given even if the rest of the teams that night in the Pacific won, they still would have been in first place. But if 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 that night went how it did, with Calgary and Vegas losing, the Coyotes would be in first place, alone in first place at 59 points. But no, they decided to not even play on Saturday, like I said before. They just decided that, like, oh, yeah, we're going to start our break early. And now they find themselves in the second wild card spot, three points up on Winnipeg and Chicago. And Winnipeg has two games in hand, and Chicago has one game in hand. So if Winnipeg wins those two games... I'm pretty sure the Coyotes are not in a playoff spot. And I don't know the tiebreaker there. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think they would end up having more wins at this point. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I'd have to look into that more deeply. But I, th- I think the Coyotes would find themselves out of a playoff spot. And that's how close this race is. They, uh, it's, I'll get into this later when I actually talk about the Coyotes. I gotta, gotta save it for that at least. But yeah, it's um, the the central's not really that close. I again, um, I I think five teams from the Pacific make it this year, which is different. I don't think that's happened. I don't think that's happened since they went to this kind of alignment. And and I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, maybe it's happened one or two times, but it's 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 been mostly central dominated. So it's 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 kind of cool to see that there's going to be. There most likely will be a lot of Pacific teams, but someone in that division really needs to take control of it, and I really hope that ends up being the Coyotes because I look at it and go, they can beat any team there, and they just they have to play like that, and they're just not been. But anyway, well, again, that's a later discussion. <laughs> Let's move on to the Eastern Conference. In the Atlantic Division, we have Boston in first place at 68 points. We have Tampa Bay in second at 62 points. We have Florida in third place at 57 points. Tampa has been unreal. We just saw the Coyotes play them not too long ago, and I don't think it would have mattered much who was in net that night. Tampa was on another level. Like, this... This team is getting hot right now, which is different in past years because last year they were hot basically the entire season and just didn't seem to have it when it came to the playoff round that they played. But this year, 
I mean, it seems like they're getting hot at exactly the right time, and this it's going to be a very tough team to beat. And Metropolitan Division, we have the Capitals at 71 points, so that's top in the league. We have Pittsburgh in second place at 67 points, which is absolutely incredible the way, what they're doing. I think Mike Sullivan is definitely the leader for uh, the Jack Adams Award this year. Um, with as many injuries as they've had, it's it's truly phenomenal the fact that they're in, in, in the place that they're in right now. I mean, Sidney Crosby's played like a handful of games. They just lost uh, Jake Gensel. It's, it's incredible what they've gotten out of him. And we have the Islanders are in third place at 61 points. So they've kind of slipped a little bit. They'll definitely end up making it. I don't know what kind of impact they will have in the playoffs, but um, if they get the right matchup, which might not be Pittsburgh, but if they get the right matchup, they, they should be able to win at least a series, I would think. And then now for the wild card, we have the Blue Jackets in the first wild card spot at 60 points, and we have the Carolina Hurricanes in the second wild card spot at 59 points. It's amazing also that Columbus is in a playoff spot, especially going, you know, after after losing what they lost in the offseason. It's just amazing what Tortorella is getting out of him. I think he also might have to be in the conversation for the Jack Adams. He's um He's done an amazing job, and you got to give credit to the players too. Obviously, like they're the ones playing the games, and they they just they just believe that they can still do it, and and they're they're doing it. A notable le- uh, team that's out is the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Ha ha! Suck it, Toronto. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I just find it funny. Like this team has got all the talent in the world, and. For whatever reason, they're just not living up to it. And I don't know if it's... I I think I did hear that Morgan Riley is down. So that's obviously a, a, a big loss for them on the back end where they already have like no back end at all. I think Muzzin's also hurt as well. I could be wrong about that. But they... um Yeah, Toronto's got a lot of work to do still. Like I still think they're one of the top three talented forward groups in the entire league but that back end it it needs a lot of work and they will not be winning anything until they actually work on that now let's uh, get into some stats here so we'll go with uh points we got Connor mcdavid at 76 points and dry at 75 points and second place we have uh three players tied or two players tied at 70 points and that's pasternak and mckinnon um, man, it's, I don't even know, like, I don't, you know, I, I've, I've definitely have seen a, a player on the Coyotes, you know, score a lot of points. Like Keith Kachuk did it back in the day. I, I've seen it, but obviously like I was definitely a little kid at the time. So I didn't really, that's, I didn't really like appreciate it or really understand how impressive that was. So speaking in terms of nowadays, I can't fathom watching a guy on the Coyotes have like 50, 60 points right now. Like I'm hope like I'm hoping that they get 50 or 60 points by the end of the year. But the fact that there's guys at 70 points right now, it's like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So if you think scoring is down in the NHL, I think you're just dead wrong. <laughs> I think there's, 
personally, I think there's plenty of scoring. I'm definitely someone who appreciates the defensive side of the game. I and I, and I loved watching the Coyotes last year just completely shut down teams defensively. They're not doing that this year, unfortunately. But I just I really appreciate that side of the game, and it's not it's definitely not going away whatsoever. But I, I think it's just wrong to think that scoring has been down or it's you know the scoring has not been pre- prevalent as much this you know in these recent years like there's a ton of scoring going on and it's it's definitely made for some exciting hockey all around uh we'll get into the goal leaders here we got Pasternak at 37 goals which is just <laughs> incredible i think the leading coyote player has 37 points maybe 40 points uh it's unbelievable uh, we got matthews and ovechkin tied at second for 34 goals um, Ovechkin has a shot to break Gretzky's record. I, I I've said it every podcast, but I think it's it's something that needs to be talked about more often. I think if he breaks Gretzky's record, I think that might end up being the greatest record broken of like all time out of any sport. I I think it's it, it's it's on par with like the home run record and in the major leagues. Now, Barry Bonds definitely did it on steroids. So you can have your opinion on that, whatever. The fact that he did it was still impressive. I think passing yards, passing touchdowns in the NFL, like that's been broken, I think a couple times. So to me, that's not, that's not as an impressive record anymore, especially with the way the NFL has, has a evolved over the years where it's definitely more of a passing league these days. So it's still an impressive record to be broken, but it's 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 definitely one of the one one of the records that I wouldn't say is like as impressive as some of the other leagues is. So I I think if Ovechkin breaks that record, like that would have to be one of the greatest individual feats of all time in all sports. To I mean, nobody breaks Gretzky records like no one and the fact that he actually has a legit shot to do it personally i will be clearing my schedule to watch every single capitals game right around the time where he's breaking that record because i i will have to see that live because that would be one of the most amazing moments in all of sports It, it just it will be like that's just how it is let's move on to um assists nice transition there bud uh, we got <laughs> in first place. We got Connor McDavid, of course, forty-nine assists. Leon Draisaitl, of course, at forty-eight assists, and then we have John Carlson still there, third place at forty-seven assists. Now I'm gonna look at how much points he has. He has 60, 60 points. So gonna do a little bit of math. Hooray! Uh, come for the hockey talk. Stay for the math. So sixty divided by he's played in 49, 49 games. We're gonna multiply that by eighty-two. Is he's wow? He's on pace for hundred points if he plays in all eighty-two. And at this point in the game, I don't know if he's played in all all their games, but uh, he's. I don't remember the last time a defenseman got that many points. I think the last time might have been Brent Burns. Um. But yeah, that's just impressive. Um, he's definitely gonna win the Norris this year. Um, without a doubt, <laughs> he, he's going to win it. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's gonna be our wrap up for the league right now. So let's um let's get into some coyote talk. Um, to be honest with you all, I am definitely worried about their second half. Um, this is a team that has not really played to their identity in, in quite some time, in my opinion. There's been games here and there where they have, like the Philly game, they, they definitely definitely did um florida game they sure did san jose absolutely the pit even the pittsburgh game they lost in a shootout i thought they you know played pretty pretty well but i don't know then they had they had games where they played like vegas and they looked completely out of it dallas game they gave up a two goal lead and lost four to two um, the Tampa Bay game, that one, I, I don't know. That one's kind of tough because Tampa Bay just looked like they were on 10 levels ahead of the Coyotes at that point. So that one was kind of tough. Um, Carolina won, yeah, not so great. But then the Edmonton game, like, I don't I don't know how you don't come ready to play that hockey game on, on Saturday. I don't know if they were just sick or if they weren't feeling confident in Ronta or if Ronta was giving off a non-confident vibe. I, I'm not, I'm not pinning this all on Ronta. I will get into that soon, but I, I just, they had a really good shot in that game to stay in first place heading into this break to, to, to pull ahead in front of the rest of the, the division and, they just don't even show up. It's five nothing before they even score a goal. It's like, and I think McDavid and Drysidel accounted for one point on the first three goals, if I'm not mistaken. How, like, how do you let Edmonton's depth beat you like that? Like, if you're if McDavid and Drysidel are scoring all the points against you, that's one thing. They do that to teams, and that's how they've been winning. But how do you let Archibald score on a shorthanded goal? How do you let Gagne score on basically from the goal line? How do you let this happen? How, how do you not come ready to play in a game that needs to feel like a playoff game? I just, that's the kind of thing that's been worrying about, that's been worried, worrying me at least as a fan is... It seems like there's then been these big games that they just are not quite showing up to, and it, it it makes me question whether they're truly playoff ready. I know that they're still a young team, so they're still developing. Like you still have Keller and Schmaltz, clearly still developing. They have stretches where they are both absolutely dominant, but then they have stretches which they're in right now where they look invisible. So I think that's more of a sign of them just being young and still developing but either way we need way more out of them we just do they are too big of a threat on our offense to just have to just take nights off multiple nights off in a row and we don't need them to score every every game like we have taylor hall who's going to possibly do that we have garland who's going to create offense um we have Krause, who's been working his 
ass off every game for the last month or two at least so like we we have guys that are going to are going to score like our scoring is up since Taylor Hall's come to our team so it's not like we need Keller and Schmaltz to score every day, but we need them to create so much more offense than, than they have been. They, they've kind of just looked, I don't want to say disinterested, but they've looked out of it lately, and I don't understand why. There was a good stretch of a couple weeks where Keller looked like the best player on our team, or at least the second best next to Taylor Hall, because no one's going to be looking better than him. But Keller was looking incredible, and I just I don't know what happened. I, I really I really don't. And it's it's just worrying as as a fan, especially with the expectations of playoffs. Like, you know, I I think coming into the to the to the season this year, we we're th- I was personally I was thinking like, okay, wild card team, maybe third in the Pacific. But no, the Pacific right now is set up in a way to where if if this team can find can find a way to start playing to their identity again start defending well, getting good goaltending and scoring 2 to 3 goals a game at at minimum. They can be first in the Pacific. They can win this division. I think there's been enough evidence this year to believe that. But they have to do it for longer stretches than they have been. It's been win-loss, win-loss or win 3 in a row and lose 3 in a row. The only thing that's been consistent about them this year is that they've been inconsistent. And I know that's a cliche saying, but that's it's the truth. And yeah, it's just it it is a bit concerning and a bit worrying and I really hope this break helps them. I hope it helps them just reset their minds. I hope it helps them you know, look at themselves and think like, okay, well we need to be playing a lot better than we are and cuz there is a whole other level that this team can get to that I think we all know that they can get to that they just have have not really been able to get to and they, or haven't wanted to get to. I don't I don't know what the case is, but there is a level that this team can get to that we know they can get to. And I really hope that they can figure this out over the break and they have winnable games coming out of it. Anaheim, LA and Chicago, two of them at home. They those that that should be a three game winning streak right there. They play Edmonton, which that's a team that they can beat. They then go on a really awful road trip. Well, they they play in Carolina or they play at home against Carolina, which that's going to be a tough game regardless. But then they play Boston, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. And East Coast trips have not been friendly to them. They haven't beat Boston since they played them in Prague in like 2009 or 2010, so that's going to be difficult. Montreal has not been playing well, so that's a team that they should beat. Toronto can go either way. Ottawa's playing decent hockey, but again, if they play the way that we know they can, they should be able to beat them. So in their first, let's see, six, seven, eight, so in their first nine games, I feel like they could win at least six or seven of them and I think they they have to go like six and three or seven and two in those games like they can't afford to go well like five and four or four and five they have to they have to be multiple games above 500 in this next 10 game stretch and it's going to be so important because if if someone like Edmonton or Vancouver really anyone in the Pacific right now Edmonton 
Vancouver, Calgary, or Vegas, if any one of them go on a long winning streak, like they will overtake first in the, the in the division. And you can't let that slip away. You have to keep that in sight. And I really hope that they just, again, get refreshed from this break. They've had good second halves under under Tockett. So that's one thing that's definitely um, um, getting me excited about it. Um, they should be able to... Like, I don't think they'll slip out of a playoff spot. Maybe, I mean, depending on who plays over the next week or so, it's possible that they could come out of a playoff spot. Um, but I, I still think at the end of this year they make the playoffs. It's just they they control their own destiny at this point to where they are going to position themselves in, in the playoffs. And they can easily be in first in this division, and I just hope that they can get there. Last thing I want to talk about, I think, with the Coyotes is goaltending. Um, so this is the other reason why I'm definitely a little more positive than I think I'm sounding right now about their um, their second half or coming out of the break. Um, they should be getting Kemper back. That's the hope anyway. Um, that'll be a huge boost. Um, he's like he's a, he's a Vesna caliber goalie this year. Definitely was last year too. He's going to make a huge difference, and I think at that point we'll finally be, I mean, hopefully fully healthy. Ronta clearly hasn't been healthy since uh, the Philly game where he got hurt. And, you know, it, it's, it, it sucks to, to, to say, but he's he's just not reliable anymore, unfortunately. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if if he's just being rushed back or or what it is but it seems like every time he goes through a stretch where he's like hurt and then not hurt and hurt and then not hurt it it seems like he is not fully confident in his abilities like we've seen many times where he's been so confident in himself and makes the most unbelievable saves and is really even a better goalie than Kemper which is shocking but it's 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 the case we've seen it but when he's going through these hurt stretches, you can tell his confidence just dips completely. And that's, I think, was the case in the Edmonton game where you could just tell he was not confident in his movement at all. Like, I think there's some saves there that a healthy Kemper makes, but I think a healthy Ronta makes as well. I think a health, a truly healthy Ronta keeps him in that game at Edmonton. And it makes me question whether he really even should have started that game. I mean, I know you want you'll take an eighty or like a seventy five percent healthy Ronta over a one hundred percent healthy Hill, but I think we might have to start um, re- readjusting our thinking on that a little bit here because Hill he's not been perfect, but I think he's been you know as good as you could you could want out of him right now. He's not been a game changer, but he's he's making he's 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 still making saves out there and like again he's not been a difference maker but he's I feel like he's got uh he's he's more confident in his abilities right now than Ronta is and I think that's that's the difference between them right now so hopefully over the break both Kemper and Ronta get healthy if if not um if I mean, I know I'm pretty sure Kemper will be. Don't know about Ronta. If we have to go Kemper and Hill the rest of the year, that might not be the worst thing in the world. We, I don't think we have 
We don't have too many more back-to-backs the rest of the year. You have one, two... Looking at the schedule now, I think we have three back-to-backs the rest of the year. So, you know, Hill would get some starts there. But it's clear that if Kemper comes back, he's going to be the number one. Like, there's no more 1A, 1B. He will be the number one goalie going forward. So I really hope he does come back and is is ready to go. Anaheim will actually be a good game to get him in and get some playing time against because we know Anaheim is not a very um, high-chance team. They won't take a ton of shots. So it'll be a good game to kind of ease him back into. Um, uh, back-to-back to, to start, so it's probably going to be Kemper and Hill or Kemper and Ronta. Either, either way, we I just hope that they're both healthy and confident in their abilities and ready to go because it's clear that this team has, I don't want to say lost their ability to defend, but they have not really been defending well really at all for the last couple months, unfortunately. So we're going to need those two goalies to step up. Um, I know we got Jalmerson back. It's he's, I mean, he looks, he's been looking great to me. Like you can tell he's still, still um, trying to get back from an injury but he has added some just that stability on the back end. And so it, as we go along here in the second half, maybe we can look to see in a couple games in, you know, maybe he'll start playing more like his 100% self. And maybe that has a ripple effect on the defense. And maybe we do find a way to start defending well again. I don't know. Um, I just, I hope they do figure that out. Because I feel like our offense is fine for the most part it hasn't been great on the road lately I don't it's like we've completely swapped home and road records right now which I I guess is good we want to be winning on home ice but we we've been such a good road team this year as well where we still want to keep that identity on the road we don't want to change anything we've been doing on the road even though they have changed something I don't I don't know what but they've changed something so yeah they um I, I really hope they figure things out. I, I'm I don't know if I'm expecting. I don't want to say I'm expecting this, but I'm thinking Chica will trade for what I hope is a sixth defenseman, someone to jump Osterly and Lubushkin in the depth chart, and I hope it's someone who is big, is physical, is more of a stay-at-home kind of defenseman, but also someone that can actually skate. And I know that's important for Chaika. He he wants defensemen who can skate well. I just don't know if there's one out there that we can find. I don't know. I don't know who out, who out there is available that will fit that. But I I feel like Chaika will look for that, and I think that will be a big help, especially when we're playing bigger teams like Vegas or Dallas, because I know we have I think one or two more games against them going forward. We, we need that bigger presence on the back end and someone else who can help stabilize our, our, our defense just like Jalmerson does. But again, I don't know. It's 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 never an easy thing to find. So, But I, I believe in Chaika. I know he's aggressive when he wants to be and when he can be. So I, I believe he'll do the right thing. Um, ideally, we would want our defense to start playing it great again because then maybe we 